bow. Justice, I tried to equate to y'all what justice was the other day, and as we pray and let the justice of God, and I tell you that word in chapter 42, it says, But my servant whom I uphold, mine elect, and whom my soul delight, I have put my spirit upon him, and he shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. And that translation may, would translate better, justice. Also, uh, the third verse when it says, A bruised reed shall he not break, and smoking flax he shall not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. Here and again, if we substitute that word justice, we may get a little bit more clarity into the word. Fourth verse, he shall not fail, nor be discouraged till he hath set judgment in the earth, and that is justice. What is that? It's establishing the kingdom of God. God's justice throughout the whole earth. Now with justice, ju- justice can be maybe seen uh, and it should be is that this is happening all the time. That God is working and it's more evident that he's working to us children of God who are walking in the light and we'll see his judgments better and better each day and we'll see God working in our lives better and better uh, with more clarity each day with the facts and circumstances of things happening around us and Him interceding in our lives of bringing about some processes in our lives as we pray when we pray Thy will be done His will is justice His word is justice it's all about the law of God Now, we know human judges can be corrupt. They take bribes and be partial. That's what's happening with the nation today. As a lot of preachers say, well, we need to steer clear of politics or religious, uh, condemning other religions, other things going on. That may not be helpful in a sense because that's, I think, what Jesus and the prophets and all of them were doing were just in the situation as it was on the ground, especially at that time, plus giving us a foresight into things that could happen. And we know that if we know that God's word is true. So God is never corrupt. God is never corrupt. And he cannot be bribed. And a lot of us try to bribe God or pacify God in a quid pro quid. If you would do this for me, I would do that for you. If you would heal me and get me out of this, I'll go on and do this. And trying to cut deals with God or whatever about if he removed you from situation or circumstance, if he, he answered your prayer, if he do something for you, then you'll do something for him. God refuses to show partiality. He never acts out of ignorance. A lot of times we judge that things happen to a person and it's through ignorance. In other words, we don't know all of the circumstances and situations. We all know everything that factors in. But God has every fact necessary for the make the proper and the right judgment. I tell you, it showed a little bit of that on the basis of when he was talking to the men at Sodom and Gomorrah when he came down to Abraham and he said, we'll go down and see as it is is it as he had heard as such in other words God is is evaluating and basing each circumstances on those individuals and their works everyone will receive according to their deeds that's the justice of God that all this that, that it comes about what his word proclaims those that work against or reject his word or not follow the instructions or commandments of his word. Sometimes God doesn't act immediately, but he does act, and God is consistently acting. He's not an absentee landlord, and God never makes mistakes in his judgment. Sometimes we can make a mistake, and that's where we'll repent or we'll turn around and confess to someone and say, I shouldn't have did this, I may have shouldn't have said this, I got it wrong. 
but God's justice and God's justice, he never gets it wrong. He's always getting it right. Uh, it may be look or uh, seem rash to us at times, as Jesus was saying about the people that the Tower of Salome fell on. When things happen to people, it's not necessarily the justice of God happening. It's just things does happen, you know. And so we see where God acted in his justice toward his statutes and commandments and law when he killed or struck Nadab and Abihu, Aaron's sons, for offering up strange fire. We see God acted immediately when he struck Uzziah for touching the Ark of the Covenant when it stumbled. Uh, and you see with Saul, God judgment on Saul and Ananias and Sapphira. All of them got what they deserved and the judgment was immediate. But God did that also for a purpose and he showed that happening at that time. Not that God does that all the time. I ask that quick. Uh, but God's God God is being God during that time. Not everybody dies for not paying tithes and offering or lying about what they're paying in tithes and offering immediately or whatever, but God has his reasons and purposes. Uh, we see where sometimes God, he doesn't act in capriciously, but God is a merciful and gracious God. Remember the man that was picking up sticks on the Sabbath day and they had him stoned to death. Well, that's not happening. Or God may not be doing that now, whatever, but he's showing the seriousness of the transgressions against his law, against the seriousness of sin. Just people uh, not taking sin as serious as, as it should be. But the justice of God eradicates sin. He'll eradicate sin. So we know that there's no injustice with God that everybody receives according to their deeds. And God acts in the way that God acts. It's no explaining God. God can give us understanding or wisdom or knowledge of to what he's doing. But that depends on our relationship, our intimacy with God. However, God does not always act with justice. Sometimes he acts with mercy. God acts with mercy, and that's up to God to show mercy. God is a God of mercy, and God is a God of grace. Now, mercy is not justice. Mercy is not justice, but neither is mercy injustice. Mercy is not injustice either, since injustice would violate righteousness, and that would violate who or what God is or the attribute of God. So mercy is not injustice for God to show mercy. Mercy manifests kindness and grace doing no violence to righteousness. You could, God, by being merciful, or we being merciful, and that's one of the things that God requires of us is to show mercy, to be merciful. That's one of the attributes of God, but we can't just focus upon, like I told you, it gets the balance, the synchronicity of, of what it is if we focus on one attribute of God over and beyond another attribute. We must be cognizant of all the things that's going on with God. So for him to show mercy does no violence to righteousness. But that takes, like I say, it's a process of getting to know God and the workings of God. That's why Jesus said, take my yoke upon me and learn of me. So sometimes uh, a novice or someone new to the church or whatever, uh, they act and they hear scriptures of God and they repeat the scriptures and say what the scripture's doing. But it's it's bad to pull, take one scripture and pull it out of context to justify something in your life or what you're doing or whatever. We have to take this whole thing as a whole and keep the balance. We may see none justice in God. We may see none justice in God, which is mercy, but we never see injustice in God. God is a fair, that's what Abraham was saying, that God was a just God and a fair God, and how could, would he destroy the wicked and the righteous together? 
we look at fairness or whatever, but let us not equate fairness and justice as being the same thing. To us, the concept of justice contains the notion of fairness. The concept of justice contains a notion of fairness, almost as if fairness and justice is and justice are the same thing. It, that's not quite the same thing. Fairness and justice is not quite the same thing. But let me keep moving here. So uh, maybe as we try to keep watering with the word here, we'll get a clearer understanding. Um, i go back to the thing about when I said at first glance, it does not seem as God is considered, ever even considered fairness in his dealing with Nadab and Abihu because he just struck them dead all of a sudden, you know. Uh, but it was justice, though, it with Ananias and Sapphira and others as well. But we have to maybe get to know God better and realize that all, by all of us, that's done good. We all deserve death or life. So it is God that is allowing us to wake up each morning. That's that's a benefit that God had woken us up. If we if He give us what we all deserve, that is death. Yes. So God is being gracious for the time He does give us, so He can bring forth judgment at any time, and God will still be just in His dealing. God's justice is according to his righteousness, his holy character. His justice is according to his that righteousness of his holy character. And that's why we have the Old Testament there. And the Old Testament was there for our admonition. It's for us to learn from because when God gave his law, that was after he gave the promise unto Abraham. So the law and the things contained in the Old Testament, it's really to show us how much we transgress God's law or we are transgressors of God's law without being children of God and that we necessarily have to have God's grace to walk in a justified, remain in an upright state. God is the one that justifies us. He puts us in right standing with him. But by his mercy, we continue on, and we do fail. We do sin. But unlike the servant that he's talking here that never fail and never uh, be discouraged or whatever, we do get distraught. We get depressed or whatever. But he was without sin, so he's our pattern of someone. Jesus Christ is, is what our focus should be or someone to keep pressing on or to keep pressing in. Psalms 119 and 172 defines righteousness. It stated that all your commandments are righteousness. So what's God's, what is righteousness? The commandments of God. That's what righteousness is. So that's what God is. It defines what God, part of God's character just who God is. That's why I say he doesn't, he doesn't look over that. Those commandments reflect in writing the character of God. Those commandments reflect in writing the commandments of God. God wrote that on the tablets of stone. That's who God is. His attributes. He is righteous. That, that, he couldn't do any unrighteousness. That's why I say injustice of is not couldn't be found in God because of his purity, his holiness. It's the very definition of who God is. It's what God is. Uh, what God does is always consistent with who and what he is and what he has written. So if God's word says it, that's what God is and what he means. But we can't narrow God down to not being decisive or being able to judge or do the correct thing. God is wisdom also. God is wisdom and understanding. That's what we get from God to better understand God and relate to it. That's why Peter says we have a sure, more sure word of prophecy. 
So we know God's not going to violate his word. He wouldn't be God to violate his word. So in sentencing Jesus to death and Jesus taking up on death upon himself, he was able by his death to put us in right standing with God to make the, make it possible for us to be reconciled to God. He justified us. He put us back in the state to where we're set right with God and we can continue on being made in his image and his character. We're a new creation. God is making something again. That's why he calls us out of the world, away from the things of the world. His righteousness is absolute purity. His righteousness is absolute purity. He's pure. He's holy. He's utterly incapable of any uh, of an unholy and an unrighteous and an unjust act is just not within him to that is not God couldn't do that that he would cease to be God you know and that's what Job when he was petitioning Job God and asking for counsel he didn't understand what was happening you have to learn to deal with that Job because God is not doing you anything that is unjust. God is not doing anything that's unholy or unrighteous to you. Those are things that you will have to learn that could be, and that's what we learn, to deal with the things that's happening in our everyday life because God's carrying out his justice. That's why I say when you're born again and start to know God and understand God, that's when you learn contentment and that's when you learn that all of this have to see it as coming from God and ask God to give you a clarity or understanding as to what's going on and what should be your reaction be. Because we know that all things are working together for good. All things, all means all. So we can't say that God has acted inconsistent with who he is or his nature. For God to act unfairly, like I said, he would just simply cease to be God. Remember I tell you, my niece has, I mean, my granddaughter, I was telling her about buying Chris, uh, one, her brother something, and she said, well, you can do that, Papa, but it wouldn't be fair. You can do it, but it wouldn't be fair. Well, that statement maybe could be made for human man but it couldn't be made for God. Whatever God does is fairness because that's one of the attributes of God is fairness. That's why you can get along with your brothers and sisters and people in the world because we know we're serving a God that is righteous. He is fair to us. Someone else may have something or get off with something, but what's happening, we're causing envy and jealousy and covetousness in us causes us to blame God for not being fair in his dealings with other people. That That's a, a defect in us. That That's a character flaw in us that God could be using his justice to bring about our righteousness in his kingdom. He is working. There's a purpose that's going on with God. Uh, he is totally commit. It is totally impossible for him as I said, to commit injustice. So we're never going to accuse God of not doing the right thing. That, that, that thing that, that's out of our... So justice is the declaration of righteousness. Justification is the declaration of righteousness. So if God had declared us just and we're justified, we're justified in Christ Jesus, that means that God has put us in proper standing because you remember I told you, his statutes, precepts, and his commandments are his his laws. Those are what God is. That's what justice is. That's what righteousness is. His laws. It's, it's what God is making us yes. with a righteousness of Christ Jesus. But th- that old stuff or anything else in us has to be purged out. God has to purge that out. That's why the dealings of the things that's happening in our life are happening. God simply declares us God simply declares us innocence and righteous but that's in Christ Jesus and only God can do that yes. but the reason he's doing that is because 
we've accepted Christ Jesus and our belief in Christ Jesus. This is the only way God could do that. That's why Jesus Christ said he's the way, he's the truth and the life. All God do, he's doing through his son, through the death and the atonement of his son. That's how we're declared righteous and justified. Outside of Christ, outside of that way, we can't be justified. There's no justification in what we're doing. He's the way. He's the only way. There's no other way to God. There's no other way to righteousness because we have to be placed in right standing with God. So he's our justification. He does this legally on the basis of Christ's priceless sacrifice, his atoning death, that blood that he shed up on the cross, Christ. Okay, so what the gospel is, what, what the word of God is, what God has always been doing, just like he did with Adam, God warns us. That That's why the preachers that are, are preaching that we have favor with God and never kind of taps the hand and never kind of warns his people that he's not doing his congregation any favors. He's not helping them when he's not laying down the law of God. In other words, when he does not chasten or warn them that there is punishments for violation of God's law. As the day you eat of that tree, you should surely die. So God has that chastening. A lot of us don't want to hear consequences for our action. Our our actions and our thoughts has consequences. What uh, Psalms nineteen seven through twelve? Let's talk about. It. it says the law of the Lord is perfect. That is, it's flawless, restoring and refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are reliable and trustworthy and making wise the simple. If we would take heed to his word, if we would follow his word, if we ask wisdom from God, it can give the most simple person wisdom and knowledge and understanding. And granted, but listen at this, it can't, it doesn't give life. It's a body of laws, it's statutes in the Ten Commandments, in the laws, it wasn't life. It was showing the transgression of God, what God's laws are. They went Egypt so long, they had started to violate God's law. That's what we've done. That's what the church, that's what we're doing now, violating God's laws. That's why God calls us out of the world. He calls us out of the world, and just like he called his children out of Egypt and gave them the laws, the Ten Commandments, it's because they wasn't doing those things. Abraham had taught his children right. He had taught them the commandments of God. But after they had been gone so long, or the parents didn't stick, the parents was in the world. They were in Egypt. Egypt's a type of sin, a type of the world. They got absorbed by the world. Just like we've got absorbed by this Babylon that we live in, but he's calling us, according to Revelation 18 and 4, come out of Babylon, come out of the world. And Jesus said he had left us in the world, but that he would pray that we would be kept from the evil in the world. So this separation and coming out from the world is not geographical, but it's spiritual. And it's looking at all of his precepts and his statutes, his commandments and laws, and keeping those. And see, look at our relatives and look at the churches they go to and look at the churches they don't go to. And like I said, we look at a lot of our children or whatever, it seems as though they don't even believe in God. They may say they believe that Jesus died and there is a God, but they don't believe that you have to follow the instructions of that God and that your life is centered in that God, that they have to live a certain way. They don't live their lives as if God is, Jesus Christ is their Lord and Master. The churches today have apostatized. That's the reason we have the evil and the things in the world. But God is bringing about, if he's bringing about justice in the world, we know that he has begun that just judgment of that justice even with the house of God, with the children of God. 
that's where judgment begins at. So we have to make preparations to meet God. We should prepare ourselves to meet Him. It says, The precepts of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Because we should rejoice in thou should not kill, thou should not steal, thou should not cover. We rejoice in the statutes and commandments of God, even the precepts. Those principles on which God's laws are bring, try to bring about spiritually is that we should be a spiritual people and the spirit is what gives us life. That's why we have to have a new heart. That's what was the problem with the children of Israel. We have to look back at the children of Israel. We have to look back through the Old Testament. The problem was that they wasn't being led by the Spirit of God. They wasn't subject to or obedient to the Spirit of God. And what the Spirit of God does through the Word of God, it causes us to put self to death because we know by the justice of God that the soul that sinned shall die and that Jesus Christ came to save us from sin. So we can't continue in sin, so thus we should be living a life of repentance. Each day we should be examining our lives and walking in such a way that we know the judgment of God falls upon the children of wrath, the children of disobedience, the wrath of God falls upon even upon the children of God that walk in disobedience, that walk in hatred, that walk in bitterness, that walk in covetousness and jealousness, all of these things has to be punished in the children of God also. If he didn't allow it for them, he won't allow it for us because what we say, he shows no partiality. So if, if they died for the things that they did, we surely will die for those same things. Amen. Now, if we've received the mercy of God, the grace of God, then we are in a process of pulling that off. We're dead to that. We may, we may fall. We may, well, we won't fail. In other words, we'll keep getting up, but we'll keep repenting and turning to God and looking unto Him for His justice. Because if His will be done. No sin enters into the kingdom of God. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. His judgments are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold, yes, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. Uh, that he is reminded, illuminated, and instructed. That's what his word does. It illuminates our life, our path through life. It instructs us in the way. The Spirit quietly speaks to us and says, this is the way, walk there. This is the life. This is the path. But for that Spirit to converse and talk with you, we must silence all other voices that we are hearing. And that is the voices of the world. That is the voices of Satan. That is the love of the world and the things of the world. Who can understand his errors or his omissions? And he says, acquit me of hidden, that is unconscious or unintended faults. David's asking God to, to, to all of this thing that he don't even know that he's doing. He's asking for God to acquit him. Don't charge him to him and that he would show him his faults or his hidden sins. And how can he learn that? Through the revelation of Jesus Christ, through the reading and studying of his word. That's the only way we can get That's why I say it's wisdom in the word of God and his righteousness is all of his commandments, his laws. That's why we should find the word of God and eat the word of God and be subject to it and that we should... We should hide it in our heart and continue in that word. Uh, He says, also keep back your servant from presumptuous. In other words, from deliberate and willful sin. And that's the problem I have. That's the problem a lot of us have. There's deliberate or willful sin that we're in. 
and that we need the Spirit of God to help hold us back from that. Let me give you an example here. You know you need to lose weight. If you know that you need to lose weight, actually, and that's a hard one. The reason I said that because it's something that I struggle with. It's a, something that is a multi-billion-dollar industry is that people struggle to lose weight. As you get older, you can exercise and do the movements to, to lose weight as you would want to. So the majority of the weight loss as you get older would have to come through not consuming as much. Not consuming as much. But what happens, there's comfort eating, there's stress eating, psychologically, just sitting down watching TV sometimes, psychologically, that's when we eat. We have to maybe learn not to eat while watching TV. And we watch a good bit of TV because you end up getting your sandwich or some popcorn or some kind of snacks or something to watch television with or whatever. There are a lot of foods and things that you need to add to your diet as you get older, fiber and different things. But these things are the things that you hate or that you don't want to eat. Uh, some people pull up, they'll, they'll bring something that, you know, if it's fried chicken or some sort of chocolate cake or some sort of ice cream or some, some dessert or something or some entree or something that you love to eat, you know. But the problem is is self-control and not eating as much and that's a hard thing to do. That's a struggle. And hopefully, you know, you can ask the Spirit for power to give you power to overcome the desires of the flesh or well. It's not as easy as it says. As people say, well, just eat one piece of that and don't eat it anymore or whatever. Or just a taste of this or whatever. So you see why I say sometimes we, we have to ask God, just as Dave said, keep us away from willful sin because in a way it's gluttony. It's gluttony to us because our diet doctor or something is telling us we have to, what we must lose weight or we must do this. So there are many things that sometimes we do that have been incorporated into our lives. They are presumptuous and willful sins. And the thing about a Christian, like I said, unlike Nadab and Abihu and uh, Ananias and Sapphira and uh, Uzziah, is that God doesn't strike us dead immediately. See, because sometimes when we sin, when we lose our temper, and we shouldn't lose our temper, it says be angry and say not. So we have to be able to control our temper. We have to be able to do things and love those God tells us to love our enemy, love this, and all those things are hard to do. We willfully sometimes are unforgiving. We willfully sometimes are harsh or, or, or vengeful or want to get evil. But all of these things are works of the flesh and we know the justice of God going to end up paying us for those things that we do that we shouldn't be doing. The justice of God, they have consequences. All those things have consequences and you know that they are sin but you hadn't conquered that part of sin in your life. So that's why the fear of God, the reverence of God, that's why a lot of those things, it drives us to prayer. It drives us to our knees. It drives us to laying in there, praying to God and sitting there. However you pray and worship God, drives us to God to plead with God to help us and to stand His Word to find different avenues for us to go so that we want some this sin but that he would purge it from us he would purge the wickedness from us because if it's in us he has to purge it out of us for us to be a new creation Amen. he's not going to let a vital a, 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 a vital wrong be in us and be in heaven that would not be living right it's like living with a cancer the doctor has to cut that cancer out he, he has to destroy. Uh, let's continue on in his word here. And 
Moreover, by them your servant is one, and in keeping them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors or omission? Also, keep back your servant, as I said, from these persons. Then I will be blameless. I'll be complete if I'm kept back from these sins and for presumptuous in your, and to keep your commandments. And I shall be acquitted of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, uh, my rock and my redeemer. Okay. That 19th chapter, we're talking about his statues. Remember, that's why he kept bringing it up to Israel that they didn't keep his commandments, his statutes, and his judgments and precepts. Because what good is a, a, a statue or commandment without a judgment for within it? Because the end, therein they were uh, being erroneous. The 19th chapter and 8th verse of that, which is reading, it says this. Statues of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Now that word statue means mandates or precepts or rules. Precepts or rules. It derives from the root meaning to engrave or something that's permanent. A statue, in other words, is something that's permanent. It's engraved. And you remember, that's what God does. He engraves his law right up on our heart. A statue is something that's permanent. And he tells us, these statues shall be forever. A perpetual statue unto you. That's why when he gave that the Sabbath, notice that I told you in the Ten Commandments, it says, remember the Sabbath. Because that's been, a, what, a statue, a precept, all the way from creation in the beginning when God created the world he created the Sabbath also and God rested that's what it was designed for now it wasn't a law until what in the Ten Commandments he says remember the, the Sabbath which ends up looking like a precept you remember I told you a statute is a precept the principle behind the Sabbath that principle, what is the principle? That's why I say when we start violating God's statutes, His commandments, if a precept there that was placed there, it wasn't just something arbitrarily placed there. God did it for a reason. God is not capricious. He's not just doing things haphazardly. So He made the Sabbath for man. The precept of rest. The precept. So when we violate, that's why they went in captivity for violating God's Sabbaths. Seventy years in captivity for all of the Sabbaths that they had violated. Remember I told you, you have to pay back for the laws you broken. The wages of sin is death. Now you have to pay that unless you're in Jesus Christ who had given us eternal life. But if you're not in him, you have to pay that penalty yourself. Here the word is used in a narrower sense than the two previous words, meaning something appointed by an authority. In verse 19 and 8 it says, The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. That's something that was appointed by authority, and that's why I say if God had set the Sabbath, we can't change that Sabbath. God would make a clear, unequivocal way that, look, I'm changing the Sabbath from Saturday to Sunday, from the first day, I mean from the seventh day to the first day. So this is something done by authority. Rules and statutes are given as a guide. When God gives rules and statutes, it's a guide. As you give your children statutes or tell them different rules of the house or whatever, this is to make things flow more smoothly in the house. It's something that directs you, guides you, just like God's word. 
It's a guide to our the path that we should be on. It's the way. This is the way. Walk there. That's why I say you're my disciples. If you continue in my word. If you continue in my word. See, and keeping the commandments. All the way in the back at First John where he says, we, his commandments are not grievous unto us and we have the petition that we ask of him because what? We keep his commandments. So those commandments, those statutes are a guide. It is interesting that the holy days are referred to in the Bible as statutes. I'm not going into that one. That would be a rabbit trail. But within that, those holy days, they were statutes. In other words, they were very important. They were given for a reason. Those feast days, those holy days, was given for reasons. And the church is not even looking at those nowadays. Most men or most people are looking at their their days, their holidays. You don't notice that Christmas wasn't part of the statute. It wasn't part of the commandments. Easter, none of those were. So we've exalted our tradition and our things over the commandments and traditions of God and his rules. Tithing is also a statue. It's, it's not in the Ten Commandments, but it's a statue. In other words, it's a precept. It's something that's given that God says, this is the way to be prosperous. This is the way to live life if that if you tithe and give unto God that He would cause your cup to run it over, that you will have no lack or whatever. But the principle was that people had started to what in Malachi rob God. He said, If you rob me in tithes and offering, that's what's happening nowadays. A majority of the people that are not going to church that are not following God's rules. That's why I say with our children and some of the people that we know, they're, they're, they're living under a curse because they're not tithing to God. Right. They say, well, we don't belong to a church or whatever. Okay, but that still puts you further outside the pale because you should belong to a church because that's part of his statutes or his commandments. He says, for Satan not to assemble together of yourselves. So all of these things is part of what causes the judgment of God to fall upon us or to fall upon God's people. Uh, we will have to finish this a little bit later. But let me let me do a few more minutes of it here. Uh The commandment is another word that the Bible uses frequently as a name of the law of God. Commandment. That's one that he uses uh, as, as, as frequently in the Bible. You would notice the word commandment, but that's really the law of God. He gave, gave them the law. Uh, they are free from imperfection, stain, or any kind of corrupt tendency. That's what David writes that is why David writes, the commandment of the Lord is pure. The commandment of the Lord is pure. Paul said the law is pure, the law is holy, the law is just. So the law is right. Now if they are pure, they are fair. If God's law is pure, that means they are fair. If they cause rejoicing and if they convert, why would God want to do away with the perfect guide for life? If they cause you to rejoice, and that's what I'm rejoicing because he says that the evildoers will be cut off. He tells me, fret not thyself. He says he's going to reward each man for the work he's done. Well, I'm rejoicing God's word because I know it's going to bring about. It brings me joy. Anybody that know God or know God's word, it should bring them joy and enlightenment and happiness because of the word of we looking to that word of God to cover the whole earth and be in truth and actuality. That's why we're so upset when we see Christian and other people pervert the word of God, pervert the knowledge of God. Uh, is not this part of his word? Is it not just extraneous extra words that are in the Old Testament 
why did he have it then? Why wouldn't he just start with that? It was a reason. That's why I say, just like when things was happening in Job's life, instead of him searching for the reason, he was looking for counsel with God to to bring God down to say, well, God, you kind of made a mistake this time allowing this to happen to me, or this happening and everything. I've kept all your commandments. I've done all these things. Why should this be happening to me? You see what I'm saying? So instead of us taking that position, we can't go with these people that say the law, the law is no longer, we're not uh, no longer under the law, and the law don't apply to us. We're in the New Testament. Those are people that doesn't don't understand Christianity. They don't understand Jesus Christ. They don't understand the Word of God, and we're listening at these people. But justice comes when we start standing up because. That's part of what we should be doing is maintaining justice, standing up for God, giving Him glory. It may cause a sacrifice, many sacrifices for us. Many things to go on in our life. Well, as I told you before, the promise was way before the law. It was some 400 years before the law when He made these promises that's in His Word to Abraham. The law was added because of transformation. People were transgressions God's law. In other words, they were supposed to be a peculiar people, a different people than other people. That's why God didn't just spiritually set them apart. He physically set them apart. That's why he gave them the law of circumcision, the law of not eating unclean foods. He gave them all of these laws to set them apart which in the New Testament, those ceremonial laws and things are no longer there because now the perfect has come. What is the perfect? It's Jesus Christ. He has come to show us the way, and he is that way. He is that light. We have to follow him. So no laws. We're not justified by the law. We help establish the law of God because it's by faith. It's by trusting in God that he's bringing about justice through his his spirit his spirit doeth his work the zeal of the Lord of hosts shall perform this so our confidence and trust is in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that by his spirit he's going to accomplish these things like I said it was the law was added because of transgressions until the seeds come to whom the promise was made because like I said they wasn't teaching their children in, in Egypt. They had forgotten the Sabbath. It's just like our children now and the nation as a whole. They, we don't speak against fornication. You know, back in the day, it was a shame for people to, to, to live together, stay together before marriage. That's why they started coming up with terminology like common law marriage. But it wasn't legal. You're not doing a thing because he or she could leave at any time. And you're not bound under the laws of God because that should be honorable. And once you join together, you can't leave. God hates divorce. God hates putting away. So dating and all of these things that we're doing now... That's not biblical, but what drives them further and further apart, if we tell our children, if we tell different people, well, this is what the Bible says, we drive them further away because the Bible is a wedge. And until God opened up their eyes and understanding or whatever, it's best that you be prudent and not say these things because if you've told them and they know what you stand for or whatever, all you could do is cause your children to not ever be around you. They're going to stay away from around you, only come around you when they have to. Because they don't want to hear it. Because why? God hadn't opened their ears to me. But you're trying to force that in. So it's you the one that's wrong. The parent then is wrong. That's why I say national Christianity is wrong. How can you force your religion in on somebody? God has to open their understanding. So you more blind because if God opens that individual's understanding... 
if God opens that child's understanding, he may come into Christianity and be more Christian than his parent is because his parent was doing it because of the power of the flesh, the lust of the flesh, of the pride of life, of accomplishment. Of, of it wasn't by the Spirit. You can't get it accomplished that way. The Spirit has to do the work. God has to open up the understanding. God has to draw. That's why God's mercy there. God didn't allow you to live this kind of life or do that to bring you to repentance. That you would see the mercy and kindness of God. Because as, as many of us say, well, but for the grace of God, it's a lot. I should have been dead in. I could have been dead. Things turned out for me for the betterment because of the grace of God. God would merciful unto me. That's why I say we have to see this as it is being in God's hand and that we're not in control of this and that his justice shall be brought to all the earth, but we need to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. If that justice is coming, we could see it coming. That's going to be our rejoicing in everything. So we won't focus on those things that we can't bring about but that we would live for God. But that justice is being brought to the earth, and just as the father, the father of the prodigal son, he didn't change his life. He didn't concede to the son. But he was waiting because he knew the justice of God would work to bring his child home. Yes. Because the word of God says that I'll cause your sons and daughters to come from a far land, I caused them to come back to you. The book of Malachi says, turning the hearts to the fathers, to the fathers, to the sons. So God's cause, it's, it's by his spirit. But you have to be living in that way because you will give account for the deeds done in your life. So you have to know of the justice of God. You have to be walking in that righteousness. You have to put that righteousness on. That's Christ. We should continue to put him on and pull off the old man. So in preparations for this justification, for this justice to come, I didn't mean justification, for God's justice to come to, we should be preparing for this. We should be preparing to meet God. It is coming and we see it coming more quicker than ever before. So let us be strong in the Lord, knowing that his justice is coming. Yes. And that we should live for justice, maintain justice. Uh, this next one we have to go to, we'll start on at another time. I can't say Wednesday because it's time for us to end this series or whatever. But we will continue on in this. Heavenly Father, as we come before.